All right. When I was in Bible college, I had a class called Personal Evangelism. And they were trying to teach us how to share our faith uh, with just total strangers and how to talk uh, to people about the faith and have it be normal. And they would give us all these different assignments. And one of the assignments that they gave us was uh, we were supposed to try to figure out how to ask someone this question. If you were to die tonight and uh, stand before God... And he was to say, why should I let you in? What would you say to them? Now, that's not a normal question. How many know that? That's like not normal, but you had to try to figure out how to say that. And sometimes you just, just go right into it and just ask somebody that. And uh, I can tell you, you get a lot of different responses. But the number one response that people would say, when I'd say, if you were to die tonight and God was to say, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? The number one response that people would say was, well, I, I, I've been a pretty good person. I've been a pretty good person. I, you know, I'm, I'm not as bad as some people. I'm not as good as some, but I've been pretty good, and I think you ought to let me in. And I'd say, okay, so you think that your good works will get you into heaven? And, and they'd say, well, yep, that's, that's what I believe. And overwhelmingly, people would say that. I think my good works, you know, God's going to let good people into heaven, and uh, I'm a pretty good person. So then I'd say, like, well, what kind of good deeds do you do? You know, and then they're kind of like, okay, uh... I gave to the United Way at work, okay? I did that. That ought to count for something, right? You know, I'm kind to animals. Um, yeah. And, you know, and they're really reaching. You know, usually they're reaching because they think, okay, good works are going to get me in. And then they start realizing, like, what do I really do? I said, okay, so you, you're doing some good things to animals and United Way. And you got to, you're probably a good neighbor and everything. Yeah, I'm a great neighbor. Great neighbor. Okay. All right. Well, do you ever do any bad things? Well, I don't do a lot of them. I, do, I don't do a lot. And they're like, because I never killed anybody. I'm like, that's good. That's good that you never killed anybody. Good. I'm like, do you ever lie? And they're like, well, not a lot. Like, mostly little lies, you know, because... You know, you don't want too many big lies. I'm like, do you ever steal? And they're like, well, not important stuff. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, <laughs> I'm like, well, have you ever had like a lustful thought or committed adultery or anything like that? And they're like, why are you talking to me? Go talk to that guy over there. And, like, and all of a sudden they realize like, wait a minute, I do some bad things. I do some good things. I'm like, no, wait though. You think that good deeds are going to get you into heaven, right? That's what you're thinking. You think good deeds are going to get you in. They're like, yeah, that's what I think. And I'm like, well, okay, I, I, I get that, but I don't think it's right. But a lot of people, how many know a lot of people believe that? Their good deeds are going to get them in, and if they're kind, and, and their whole uh, thought about how they're going to get into heaven is, this is what I do, and this is what I don't do. And if you notice, it's very I-centered. I do this, I do that. I, 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 I don't do that, I don't do that, I don't do that. And it's all about works. And I'm here to tell you that uh, if you believe that your good works are what's going to get you into heaven, then you probably should buy a case of the product that we're going to show you that we found on the internet. You probably need a case of this if you think works are going to get you into heaven. Take a look at this. What does being a Christian feel like? All that Bible reading, spending time in prayer, good deeds, going to church and volunteering, sometimes two to three times a week. It's exhausting. How can you expect to be spiritual enough for all of this? Wouldn't it be great if you actually felt like being a Christian? Introducing 5-Hour Spiritual Energy, a spiritual drink for those who need a little spiritual boost. Just one bottle gives you hours of energy to be a good Christian. Take one five-hour spiritual energy and see how spiritual you can be. Thanks, five-hour spiritual energy. 
Five-hour spiritual energy. Hours of energy now. No spiritual crash later. How many like that product? Uh, but see, a lot of people believe that works are going to get them into heaven. And so I'm going to start with that assumption today, okay? Maybe it's you. Maybe you're here and that's what you thought. Good works would get you in. Or maybe you know somebody that you're going to be able to take what you've learned today and help them out to really think about the way they think they're getting into heaven, all right? So I know that a lot of us think that works will get us in and it starts at a young age. How many know that the power of a cookie motivates you to be good, right? Your parents say, if you're a good boy or girl you'll get a cookie. If you're a bad boy or girl, no cookie. And so you start getting this thinking like, okay, good equals reward. Good equals reward. And so it starts there. Then you go to school and you hear, okay, if you're good in class, you get a good grade. And if you do good, you get a reward. Rarely do you go to school and they're like, terrible job, here's an A, right? They don't do that. It's if you're good, you get, so we start thinking that, okay, good. Then we have sayings in our culture like, what goes around comes around. And so you start thinking, I need to be good, so good will come back to me. If I'm bad, bad will come back to me. You see what I'm saying? And so all these things start feeding the thought that our works are what it's really about. And then we start thinking, okay, he's a good God, he's a kind God, and a good, kind God is probably going to let good, kind people in. Because that just logically makes sense, right? A good, kind God letting good, kind people in. Bad people don't get in. And so we start thinking these things. It just appeals to our fairness, doesn't it? It appeals to our fairness that God would allow good people in and not allow bad people. It just seems fair. And how many know that's a word that we're hung up on? You know, it's not fair. It's not fair. And if you had parents like me, you know what they'd say to me when I'd say that to them? They'd say, life's not fair. And so that's what I learned. Life wasn't fair. And so, but some, it's like, it's got to be fair. It's got to be fair. And of course, if you don't know what's going on in the church, how many would think that from the outside looking at the church, it looks like you have to do a lot of good works? And it looks like we're all trying to earn our way into heaven. If you're on the outside looking in, and you're looking and you're saying, boy, they're at a Bible study, and they're doing this, and they went on a global team, and they're doing that, and I think they actually give their money. And I I mean, you know, you're looking at this, like one of our neighbors came up to us, and they're like, you guys are really busy. Like, you are really busy for God. Like, you're always having people over, and all this. Matter of fact, the police showed up the other day, and they said, yeah, you have way too many people parked in front of your house and all this. You're causing a traffic jam. We can't have that many people there. You guys are always doing stuff for church. I'm like, even the cops are telling me I'm doing too much for church. And if they think that I'm working my way in, you could see where they're thinking, like, if we got to keep up with Pastor Rob, we're in trouble. We got to slow that guy down. You know what I mean? We got to slow him down. So they, they see us working and they don't know why we're working. They would just assume we're working trying to get our way into heaven because they don't know. They don't know because they're operating under this assumption that their good works will get them in and their bad works will keep them out. And so they just try to live this way and they try to get all these work, 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 work. Now, if you're living under that assumption, and I'll assume that there's some people here that you're thinking that, that your works will get you in or somebody that's watching on TV or internet that is, is saying like, I, I think my works will get me in. Okay, I have a couple questions for you. Okay, the first one is this. 
How do you know when you've done enough good works to get in? How do you know? Like there's not a meter. Wouldn't that be great if there was a meter? You know, if that was the way and there was a meter. But how do you know if you've done enough good works? I mean, our conscience is a pretty good guide and it tells us when we're doing bad and it kind of says, that wasn't good. But how many know when you do good, you're still kind of like looking for feedback? Was that really good? Was it kind of good? Was it sort of good? Was it lots good? Um, Was it good motive? Do I get full credit for that? I mean, you don't even know. And I mean, how do you know like when you're going to outweigh what you did in your teenage years? How many know what I'm talking about? You're like, how do I know when I'm tipping the scale there, you know? How do you know? How do you know when you've done enough good deeds? And what, what's the percentage that's going to get you in? What's the percentage? Will 70-30, is that the way God's going to grade it? Or is it 60-40? Or is God going to go 51-49 as long as you outweigh just a little bit? Or how many right now are just praying for a curve, right? You know, you're like, okay, curve, curve. But let me just tell you, if it's based on good deeds, Mother Teresa blew the curve. Okay, it's over. She just blew the curve for us, all right? But let's just say she had a terrible, misspent youth and everything, and all of her good deeds finally got her to 5141, and God would grade on a curve with the good deeds, okay? And let's just say you have to have 30% good deeds to make it into heaven. That's all you have to do, 3070. What if you get to 29.99 and you're one good deed away and you get to heaven and God's like, oh man. One deed short, sorry, eternal damnation, bye, sorry. I, I know, I wish I could have warned you. I mean, and then what if there's a family member in heaven like, well, I had way more good deeds, can I transfer? I'm sorry, good deeds are non-transferable. You know what I mean? I mean, think about that. How do you know? How do you know? Yet, you know people, you might be here, and you're thinking, my good deeds will get me in. How do you know when you've done enough good deeds to get in to heaven? And let me tell you this, the Bible says this about our good deeds, in case you're wondering. Isaiah 64, 6. It says our righteousness, our good deeds are like filthy rags. It's like garbage to God. The best that we can do, the best things that we can offer God, if we're really counting on those, counting to God, the best things we can do is really like garbage. That doesn't offer much hope for those that are saying, my good deeds will get me in, does it? But I have another question for you. What if there's not enough time left in your life to get your good deeds up? What if you're 55 and you're here at church and you've come in and you have all 55 years of living for self and doing destructive things and now you're here, you're like, all right, I'm ready to go. And you only, let's just say you only have 10 years left to live. You have 55 years of bad and only 10 left. I mean, really, I mean, does does working with orphans like offset like two years of bad, you know, teenage years? And does, you see what I'm saying? And how would you know? and, and, And what if you don't have enough time? Think about it, because I know people that say, well, my good deeds, well, well, what if you didn't do enough, and what if you don't have enough time? Okay, let me ask this. Is there a good deeds list that we're supposed to live by? Because a lot of people that will quote to you, I'm hoping my good deeds will get me in, what list do they usually go to? The Ten Commandments, right? Because they're like, I, 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 I um, don't murder, I don't steal, I don't have any idols, and, and I don't do the other seven, I'm sure. I don't do the others. I don't know them, but I don't do them, right? And that's usually where they go, right? They go to the list. Okay, 
Can I tell you, when God gave the Ten Commandments to the Israelites, he was giving those to a a people group that was coming out of slavery that needed to know how to live. They were told how to live because they were slaves. And they're told, this is how you're going to live. This is how you're going to live. And God comes in and said, "This, this is the start. These are Ten Commandments. This is a moral law that I want you to live under. I want you to do these things. But then he gave them all sorts of other laws and different things that they should do based on situations that they were in. And they had all these other things. And nowhere when he does the 10, he said, now, if you do the 10, you're in. If you do the 10, you're in. You can read it in the Bible. It's in Exodus. You will not find that he says, now, if you do the 10, guaranteed that you're in. He doesn't say that. He's giving them a great moral foundation to live in. But with that, there is no promise that if you live them perfect, just those 10, you're in. Matter of fact, Romans 3.20 says this about the law. It says, for no one can ever be made right with God By doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So here it is. The Ten Commandments, people that are all saying, I hope my good deeds and my bad deeds and all that. All those things are there for is to show them how sinful they really are and how in need of a Savior they really are. And yet they're banking on their good works and they're going back to that list there and they're hoping that that list will get them in. And the thing that adds to such confusion in this, how many know that lots of religions have a list? Lots of religions have a list. If you are a a Buddhist, you have lists and you have to bring sacrifices and you have to bring food offerings. And I've seen families that couldn't even feed their family bringing food to a temple to put before a Buddha and to leave the food there. And the family's like malnourished, but they've got to do this because it's part of the good deeds and that's what their list says to do. And so they do that. And then there's others. If you follow, uh, if you're a Muslim, and you are someone in Islam, and you want to do that, well, you've got a whole different list. You don't have to bring the food things, but guess what? You've got to try to get to Mecca. And not only that, you've got to pray and face the right direction, and you've got to worry about how you deal with infidels, and you've got jihad thinking, you've got all these different things, and so they've got their list. And how many know if you're an Orthodox Jew, then you've got another list, and you've got to keep your head covered, and you've got to have kosher, and you've got to have different things, and you've got to watch the Sabbath, and so they've got a list. And how many know that there's all these different lists? And if you're Hindu, then you don't have to worry about all those other things, but you better not squash bugs. How many know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> so they all got different lists. And so it just adds the confusion. So which list do you follow? Which list do you follow? That's why we don't have a list. Jesus said this about people that wanted to live the list, that wanted to hopefully live the list. Matthew 5.20, this is what it says. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And he said, you guys, see these guys over here, these Pharisees and teachers of the law? They are people that are experts in it. That's all they do full time. They are full time trying to obey the law. They are full time trying to do the right thing. And he said, if you can't get better than them because they're not even making the cut, you've got to get better than them. You're not, you don't even have a chance of getting in. And you can imagine the people looking around like, if the full timers can't do it, what in the world is going to happen to the part timers? I got a job. I can't spend all that time. I got a family. I've got all these things to do. I can't spend all my time. So you can imagine the hopelessness that would just settle in. Okay, one more thing before I I, I give you some hope. How many want some hope? All right, yeah. Okay, but one more thing because I just thought about this. Um, if, if, If we work our way into heaven, 
doesn't make any sense in the world that we would stop and worship God. Does it make any sense in the world that we would stop and sing our praises like we did in church today? Why would we even sing praises to a God that is only going to reward us on what we did? If we work our way into heaven, can you imagine this? Like, what if it takes a certain percentage to get in and you go to heaven and we're all bragging about what we did to get into heaven? And so we're walking around heaven like a bunch of high school seniors comparing ACT scores. What'd you get? You, what'd you get? You tell me first. All right, what'd you get? I got 54%. 54? How did you get 54% to get in here? 54% good deeds? Orphans. Worked with orphans. That's why I got 50. God grades really high for that one, and I got really good. They were baby orphans. A lot of diapers, too. A lot, really great up. Grades up. You know? So you could praise me now. I'm a 54, you know? And then what, what'd you get? I got 34. Ooh, you almost didn't make the cut. What was it? Well, you know, a little bit of gossip, lying, lying on my taxes, a little bit of cheating, a little bit of lust. You know, I know, I know. I was pushing the margins. Wow, dude. Yeah, well, 34, why don't you praise a little 54 right here? Because I'm way better. And you'd walk around heaven going, look what I did to get in. Look what I did to get in, everybody. And if you found somebody higher than you, you'd be like, wow, you're better than me. Wow, good job, you. That's a heaven I don't want to be part of. That's a heaven that just actually sounds demented and sick. That we all get to work our way in and then we all get to say, well, look at how good we did. Look at how good. We're all so good. Let's, let's really worship the 70s and the 60s. I don't want anything to do with that. And I don't think that's anything to do with heaven. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. This is the theme verse of our series here. And this is what it says. It says, for by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It's saying when we get to heaven, we're not going to be going, what'd you get, what'd you get, what'd you get? You know what it says? All of us score a zero. We all score zero. And when we get to heaven, we all scored zero. But because of Jesus Christ, because of grace, we get the rewards of heaven and we have eternal life even though we scored zero. And that's a pretty encouraging thing of good news and it makes heaven look a lot better because there's no boasting, there's no bragging. It's all about not what I did, not what I've done, but what Jesus has done. And totally different. And then we can walk around heaven saying, praise to you, Jesus. You did it. You made the way. I didn't do it. You did it. I was a zero. Now, some of us say, well, I was pretty good. I might have been a three or something, you know. Yeah. And sometimes, you know what creeps into the church? I would say what creeps into the church is we forget that we all need grace to get in. And all of a sudden, churches start acting like, well, praise God for us that have learned how to dress right and think right and thank God that we don't need as much grace as everybody. We're all zeros. We're all zeros. Do not let that spirit creep into the church at all. You were a zero, got in. The next person's a zero. Doesn't matter how they look. Doesn't matter how they smell. Doesn't matter what they're doing. All zeros. Okay, we're all zeros. And we get in the same way and we get what the Bible calls grace. Grace is simply this, God's unmerited favor. It means you didn't deserve it, you didn't earn it, you did nothing, and yet God gave it to you. It's an amazing thing. 
Now, let me explain to you the difference between mercy and grace, because some of us don't understand this. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Okay, so let me explain this. Um, By a show of hands, how many people have ever been pulled over by the police for speeding or traffic violation? Raise your hand now. I should have my hand up. I've been pulled over at least 20 times. Okay, so that's true. That's true. Never got a ticket, though. I know. But uh, so I, I thank God for mercy. I've been pulled over for speeding. And when the officer comes up and I say, I'm sorry, and I have my driver's license on my, uh, you know, steering wheel, it's right there with my hands on the wheel, and the driver's license right there, and they ask for it, and I hand it right to them, and I'm right there, dome lights on, do whatever I can, and uh, I pulled over, and then they run back, and they see no uh, tickets or anything like that, and they come back up, and when the officer comes up and says, I'm not going to give you a ticket today, that's mercy. I deserve I deserve a, a ticket, but then they've never done this, but if they did this, this would be grace. If they said, but instead of giving you a ticket today, I'm going to give you a safe driver award. <laughs> How many know that that's grace, you know, like, and I'd be like, no, 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 I don't deserve that. I do not. You just, you know, because I, I was speeding and I don't want the, you know, you, you know, I'm thankful for mercy. Don't think I deserve grace. How many know that sounds pretty familiar to us with the church? Like, okay, God, I'm glad you won't give me the bad, but if you want to give me the good, seriously, I don't have to do anything. And really, God, if you knew the way I lived, if you knew the way I was, if you knew what really was in here, you would not want to give me grace. You would not want to give me a good award. You would not want to do that. But that's what he says. Even though you're sinful, even though you're terrible, even though you're bad, I'm going to give you grace, and I'm going to give you the ability to be forgiven of your sins. There is a debate that was being done years ago, and C.S. Lewis was part of the debate, and they said, what's the biggest thing about Christianity that makes it different? And he said, that's easy. It's grace. It's grace. All the other religions, it's what you do, it's what you do, it's what you do, it's what you do. And he said, Christianity is so great because it's grace, and it's so different than anything else because it's not what you do. Jesus did enough. He paid the price. Jesus did enough so that the time is now to receive him, and grace is available. And some people, some people have a problem. They think they're more than a zero, and they don't need grace. But I think there's a lot of people that think they're zero or negative 10. And they think, I can't ever get grace. After the things I've done, I can't get grace. There's no way that I could get grace. And I want to tell you, the grace of God is available to anyone, no matter what your score is in your mind. I can remember it used to bother me that my grandfather used to say to me, I used to invite him to church, you know, a little kid, I found Jesus, and I wanted him to come to church. And uh, he said, I can't go to church. If I go to church, the walls will fall down. You know, and you're a little kid, you're like, no, grandpa, they won't. It'll hold you. You know, you don't know what he means. And then after a while, I get a little older, he's, no, I can't go to church. If I go in there, the walls will fall down. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, oh, all the sins I've done, all the bad that I've done, if I go in there, the walls will fall down. And he stayed away because he thought he was so bad that he could never get in. And then one year I was using his car on spring break. They lived in Florida. And I was using his car and I was filling it with gas. And somebody backed into his car. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's grandpa's car. No. And they just ran right into it, you know. 
And so I had to go back and tell him, I said, Grandpa, I wasn't even driving. I was filling gas. This person backed in and all that. And you know what he said to me? He said, if the person calls me and says they're sorry, I won't even put it on their insurance. I'll just pay for it. He goes, but if they don't call me and say they're sorry, I'm going to make them pay. And when I got back from spring break, all of a sudden it was like it hit me. <gasps> Write Grandpa a letter and tell him that that's what God is saying. If you'll just say you're sorry, he won't make you pay. And I can't believe that my grandpa said that about somebody backing into his car. And so I wrote him the letter. And I love to say that he immediately was like, yes, Lord. But he didn't do it then. But he did it before he died. And he got it on grace at the last possible moment of his life. Now, there was so much more that God had for him. He has grace for us and so much more. But I thank God that he got in on the grace and God says, if you'll simply say you're sorry, if you'll simply say, I accept what you've done, I realize you've paid the price, he says, that's what's going to get you in. Not what you do, but just receiving the grace that I have for you. And the only part that we have in this really is faith, and we'll talk about that in this series. The only thing we have to do is, is believe that putting our hand out to receive what God offers us is really going to happen. That's all we have to do. By faith, we just have to say like, okay, okay, I believe grace will be given to me. And that is an amazing, amazing thing. To realize that works don't work. Works, I don't have to work my way in. I don't have to have a list. I don't have to keep track of all those things. I don't have to, have to try to outweigh them. I don't have to do all, do all that. There's not going to be bragging in heaven. The only thing bragging in heaven is I opened up my hands to grace. I opened up my hands and received the grace of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to do this, and I'm going to ask that if you're here and you've thought, my works will get me in, I'm trusting in my good deeds, I, I, I've, I've, I've lived that way, I've, I, I've thought that if they outweighed, I didn't know it was that clear, I didn't know it was that clear, I want to give you an opportunity to get in on the greatest thing that the Bible talks about, the grace of God. I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment to raise your hand and to say, I'm in. I'm in. I want to be included in this. I want to be included in a closing prayer and saying that I realize it's not because of what I've done, but it's because of what Jesus has done. I'm at zero or I'm at negative, but I needed grace. I won't embarrass you, but I'll ask you in just a moment to raise your hand and look up at me and I'll acknowledge that. And I'll include you in a closing prayer where you can just say, this is it. This is my moment. I'm ready. So I'd like everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. And I'm speaking to those that are here, and I'm also speaking to those that are watching on TV or on the internet. There's a moment right now. Are you right with God? Do you really know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior? Have you realized that it's not about the works that you do, but it's about what Jesus Christ has done? And there's an opportunity for us right now to give our life to Jesus Christ. There's an opportunity to receive this. That's all we're doing. We're opening up our hands and receiving what Jesus Christ is saying is available for us. I know we've trusted in works, and it sounds foolish now, but it's the way that many of us live. And I'm asking that right now we look inside and say, God, do I trust you? Do I trust you? So if you're here or you're watching and you're saying, I'm in, I'm in, I want to be part of this. I want to include you in this closing prayer. And for those that are here right now, if you're saying, I'm in, 
I want you to raise your hand and look up at me now and say, I'm in. Yes, I see your hand and your hand. Uh, there are hands going up. Could you please hold them high? I want to acknowledge. Yes, 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 yes. I see your hand. Yes, yes. Come on, there are hands all over the place that are up. People's lives are being changed. We're not trusting in works anymore. We're trusting, yes, in Jesus Christ and the free gift that he gives us. It feels so easy and it is that easy. We receive the grace. Yes, yes. Hands everywhere. Lives being changed. And God is going to come into your life and forgive you of your sins. You could put your hands down now. And if I've not acknowledged you, would you raise your hand really high so I could see it? Last opportunity before I go to pray. Is there anyone else you're saying, I'm in. I don't think you saw my hand. Yes, on the front. Yes, in the middle section. Yes, I see your hand. Just went up right there. Yes, I saw yours. Yes, this is good. You're in. This is your moment. This is what it's all about. And even for those watching, this is your moment. You can pray along with this. This is the moment for those here and for you as well. I want us to pray this prayer and I want you to pray this repeating after me and believing that Jesus Christ will forgive you of your sins. This is what the Bible calls a prayer of faith. You're just believing that God will stand true to what his word says. And as you pray this prayer and ask for forgiveness, God is going to forgive you of your sins. I'm going to ask that those around you would pray this out loud with you as just a form of encouragement. But if you raised your hand, I want you to pray this after me. Would you pray this? Dear Lord Jesus, I am sorry for my sins and all that I've done wrong. And I ask for forgiveness. I'm not trusting in my good works, but instead... I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in grace and the price that you paid. You died on the cross so that I could be forgiven and I receive that. And now I want to live for the rest of my life serving you, Jesus, living in this grace. Thank you for forgiveness in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you for those that made that prayer real. And I pray that they would realize it was a prayer of faith. And your word is true, that grace has been given to them. That's how they get in. Not because of the works they do, but because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And so I thank you for that. I thank you. And I pray that they would live in that grace. They would know that grace. They would walk in that grace and realize they have been forgiven. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. We give you praise, and we give you glory, and we give you honor, because you're the one that did it, you're the one that deserves it, and you're the one that gives us grace. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.